Man, man, it is good to be here tonight. And uh, how many of you are glad you're here tonight? Say amen. Yeah. How many of you are just glad you made it here? Say amen. <laughs> Some of you. Man, I drug in here, but preacher, I'm here. Good deal, man. I'll take it anyway. I tell our people, you come straight from work, uh, man, come on. And uh, here in a couple weeks, y'all may shoot me for saying this, but here in a couple weeks, opening weekend of rifle season, we're having camo Sunday on that Sunday. And I told our men, I was like, listen, if y'all are going to hunt Sunday morning, be in church on Sunday morning, you know? And I was like, come on, just come in your camouflage. That's fine, okay? But be in the house of the Lord. And, uh, you know, so there's guys that they pull out camouflage suit jackets and all kinds of redneck stuff, and it's great. We have fun with it and uh, everything. And so, uh, you know, we just, we cut up and, and laugh and enjoy. If you can't have fun in church, I'm going to tell you, where are you going to have fun at? That's my only question. And, and uh, man, we just love it. I love serving the Lord. There's no life like the surrendered life and serving Jesus. I'm just going to tell you, there's no greater joy. And I know this, there's burdens in every one of our lives and uh, there's issues and things like that. I tell people all the time, you know, uh, if you knew everything about me, you wouldn't have wasted your time to come here and hear me tonight, you know? But if I knew everything about you, I wouldn't have wasted my time coming up here to Missouri either, you know? And I mean, that's just the bottom line. Uh, but I'm glad that the grace of God is sufficient and man, he's awful good to us and he'll take somebody like us and just use us. And boy, that is a privilege of a lifetime, a privilege of a lifetime. Luke in chapter number 16, where we're going to be this evening. And uh, Luke in chapter number 16, and, and uh, just going to give you a, uh, just, just a simple thought this evening. And uh, man, one that I hope and pray will be helpful uh, to us in the church and as Christians. And, you know... I said yesterday that there was a lack of personal responsibility. Uh, that goes into so many areas of our lives, but it also goes into the area of evangelism as well. Uh, that personal responsibility of those around us that are dying and on their way to hell. And so here in this passage of scripture, we've, I'm sure you've read it, probably heard it preached on many times. But we're going to back up in Luke chapter number 16 just a little bit before that common passage that we'll read. And the Bible says there, in verse number 14 of Luke chapter number 16, um, the Bible says, And the Pharisees also who were covetous heard all these things, and they derided him. And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men. But God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Man, that verse right there, um, I've been preaching a series or did preach a series in the, our church uh, for a while about exciting stories in the New Testament. And man, we went through and uh, all Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then also into Acts and different things and things that happened. And I was studying this passage, and so obviously, I was going to preach on uh, the, uh, the rich man and Lazarus, and I, I was going to preach a passage on that. I felt so led to do it. And so, uh, you know, I like to read before and after uh, the passage that I know many times because I feel like, man, it just really helps you to uh, get into context what is happening. So if you put in your mind and in your heart right now the statement that Jesus made and you couple it with the verses we're about to read Boy, it helps you to understand a whole lot. That You see, Jesus, he was giving this story to the religious crowd. He was giving this story to the people who thought they were okay. He was giving the story of the rich man and Lazarus 
to some people who thought they were pretty spiritual. Now, we may speak on this a little bit later on this week. And uh, I won't tell you what night because I don't want anybody to not show up because of it. But, uh, uh, but honestly, man, uh, we have got to be so cautious about what we think of ourselves. Yeah. Right. Amen. If you ask me what I think of me, I can give you a pretty good story. I'm not bad at it. I know all my strong points. And I try not to notice any of my weaknesses because that's just old flesh, you know. That's how we are. And Jesus made a statement. Man, I believe it cut. And I know when I read that passage of Scripture, boy, it, it cut deep in my life. Because the Lord says, you've justified yourself before men. And let me just say, those guys that he was talking to did a pretty good job of it. Buddy, if there was anybody that looked like a Christian, those old boys looked like Christians. If there was anybody that knew the law, those old boys knew the law. And Jesus said to them, you've done all that you've done because you're trying to please man. And he says, but God, that your father, my father rather, he knows your heart. And boy, when I read that, boy, the Lord just pierced my heart and just said, hey, is what you're doing doing because of what somebody else thinks or what somebody else says. Hey, is the reason that you go so in and tell people about Jesus is because you want your church to see somebody walk the aisle or is it because you're truly concerned about the welfare of someone else's soul? Amen. Are you truly concerned about what, what, uh, uh, what God can do to change a life that's broken all to pieces? Are you truly concerned about giving them the greatest news they could ever hear in their entire life? God said to me, you seem to be justifying yourself before man and your works and what you've been doing. I'm telling you, I've had people say, man, what? <laughs> I laugh. People say, you know, um, preacher, you didn't preach. We were talking about this, brother Haggett and I were. Uh, you didn't preach on Sunday, man. What did you do with your week off? <laughs> I'm like, goodness gracious. Why don't you ride with me one day, you know? <laughs> Just one day, ride with me, answer my phone, talk to these people, you know, and everything. I said, I was like, you know, uh, right when COVID hit and all that, I was traveling in evangelism full time, running a camp and all that kind of stuff. And I thought, you know, I needed a third full time job. So I thought we'd just start a church, you know. And I mean, it's just like we're just going, going, going all the time. I mean, things are crazy. And I'm going to tell you, the more good that you do, the easier it is to slip into that trap that the devil sells you. And that is this, is look at what all I've done pretty sure there was a statement the Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. There's nothing good in me outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing I can give you outside of Jesus that would help you. And so you understand when Jesus made this statement to these people, I don't think Jesus made that statement and all of a sudden thought, you know what, I'm going to tell them the story about Lazarus, rich man. I don't think that uh, the, the, the Bible says here in verse number 19, it says, And there was a rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at the gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. And moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it, became, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. And he seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. 
And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. And, but Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest good things and likewise Lazarus evil, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. And then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house. And, and that, for I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And Abraham saith unto him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he says, nay, father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded the one rose from the dead. Boy, you talk about a gripping story. Well, it's got a lot of elements to it. Before we get into the sermon, I want to say this. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this is the judgment. That's what the Bible says. You notice there were two types of people. There was very rich person involved in the story, and there was an extremely poor person involved in the story. And both of them, hey, they succumb to death at some point in their life. And if Jesus tarries every single person in this room, there will be a funeral for you and I. If Jesus tarries every single person, hey, that is alive today, it, it might be. Listen, I believe this full 1,000% Jesus is coming again. Amen. Hey, and I, I know this, and, and again, boy, I got a lot of things going through my mind. Y'all gave me plenty of time to go ahead and preach a lot of stuff this week, okay? So you're in for it. But I, I'm telling you, uh, Jesus is coming again. I believe that. I believe it could be today. I can be believe, believe it could be before we pillow our head at night. Uh, uh, it could be in the next week. It could be in the next month. But it could also be a thousand years from now. Yeah. The Bible says no man knows the day or the hour. There's not one person in this room. I love those guys. Well, I don't love them, but I mean, I guess I love them, but you know what I'm talking about. I like the guys that they like to say, Jesus, remember 2020? Man, that was the one. And then uh, there was 2012. You remember that? That, you know, the, all the humanity was supposed to come to the end. And that was when you, and then they got all these dates wrong, 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 because no man knows the day or the hour. There's only one person. Hey, Jesus is going to come like a thief in the night. Hey, he's going to catch his bride away. The trumpet's going to sound. Hey, one of those days. And I'm excited about that day. Man, I'm telling you, what a time to be a Christian, like right now. Hey, when the world's the darkest, the light shines the brightest, and the Bible says we're to be the light of the world. And I'm going to tell you, this is a great time to be a light because there's a lot of darkness in this whole world. So that's just a commercial, maybe for one night this week. But every one of us, if that does not happen in our lifetime, we're going to die. You know, uh... Brother Pope, Johnny Pope, his, said, his dad used to always make this statement. His uh, children would kind of be downtrodden or whatever about something. And he'd say, cheer up, we'll soon be dead. You know, <laughs> that was always his statement. <laughs> and what he meant was, is, hey, I'm getting to go to heaven one day whenever I die. And man, what a privilege that is. The Bible gives here, it gives a split look at how death is. There's only two places. That's it. It's heaven or it's hell. 
There's only two, two places that you end up. Now, there's other people that teach other things, but there's only two. And you'll spend eternity in one of those. That, that's just the way that it is. Now, I love being saved. I love being saved from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Every last bit of me. Man, I am glad today to know that whenever I die, man, my soul is going to cross over. Man, I'm going to be with Jesus Christ in person. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. Boy, that's a good day right there. Hey, and them old bodies, you know, uh, which were, were dead, man, uh, when Jesus comes, man, they're going to be a reuniting going on. I mean, there's a whole lot of things that are exciting that we could talk about there. I'm glad that I know 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 that I'm going to heaven. Man, the Bible says, all the Father given me come to me, and him that cometh to me, how in no wise cast him out. He says, if you just come to me, and I ain't getting rid of you, he says, I'm going to put you in the palm of your hand. Nobody can pluck you out of it. Man, you are there. Amen. Boy, I'm glad to be saved. Amen. So there's that side of things. But then there's also the side of things where this rich man went. The Bible says there, if we look in that passage, it says... Uh, in verse number 23, and in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments. You see that word there? It is plural, torments. And you see the Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom, and he cried, and he said, Father, Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. You know, <clears throat> there are a lot of wonderful things in heaven. And there's a lot of the absence of wonderful things in hell. Yeah. You know, the first thing I noticed in this passage of Scripture is this. There was an absence of mercy. Did you see that? He said, would you just send Lazarus that he would dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue? For I, I, I'm tormented in this flame. I, I don't know about you. I, I used to work. <laughs> I used to work. I still work, by the way, but... <laughs> I used to work uh, chasing what we called hot spots on power line right and we were subcontractors, and we would go, and I'd take a machete, and I'd walk the rice fields in South Louisiana, South Arkansas, all that kind of stuff, and I'd find vines that were crawling up posts, you know, and, and uh, telephone poles or, or the main transmission lines and trees that were getting too close, and I'd cut them, and, and we would kind of keep it at bay until the main crews came through and cleaned the whole floor underneath the thing, and so... I did that. Man, a lot of times I would get, and this was back before they had all the camelback things, you know, you could wear on your backpack and all that stuff. And so I'd always just take a big old drink of water and then I'd just head out after it. You know, and I'd start early in the morning before daylight and I'd get to that place and I'd set out and Man, there were many, many times where I would go and I'd walk six and seven and eight miles through rice fields. If you've ever done that before, you know, hey, your boots start out weighing just like boots. And then the next thing you know, when you get that mud that just keeps caking on and caking on, you're walking with 30 pounds on your feet, you know, and you're walking through all this mud. And then the sun gets up and that beautiful humidity that's down there in South Louisiana that's coming off of all that water, you know, and you're just pouring sweat. Man, there's been many times where I've come back and uh, I would have gallon jugs of water that would be full and I'd set them inside the cooler and I pull those things out man and I would just drink and drink and drink and drink and drink until I made myself sick and it seemed like I couldn't get enough water and whenever I think about this man who was in such torment that he thought if I could just get you know if somebody looked at me whenever I was walking across those fields and said hey let me dip the tip of my finger in water and drip it on your tongue I'll be a real blessing to you 
I would have said, you're crazy. But he got to the point where he was so desperate in hell and is to this day, by the way, that he thought, if I could just get one drop, yeah. if I could just get one. And you know, the worst part about it is there was no mercy coming from anywhere. Uh, there was no help that was coming from any direction. When this man arrived in hell, he was there in the absence of any mercy. That's hell. The Bible says he was there and he was tormented by that flame. And the Bible says he, he asked for help. And there was no help to be given. There's an absence of mercy. There's an absence of light. I'll run through these, man, uh, uh, quickly. But, you know, uh, they say, you know, and if you read on this, the, dark, the, 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 the hottest flame that is, is is a black flame that actually burns. And that heat that is there, the Bible says, death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. And, and so we know that there is fire that is in hell, that there's a depravity of light. It's darkness that is there that is in hell, the Bible says, uh, and, and teaches that. There's an absence of light. There's an absence of mercy. Here's another one that's amazing to me. There's an absence of identity you notice this the Bible always names Lazarus but you know who we don't know his name the rich man you know society proves to you that identity is very important to everyone you look at our society now. What is the big scuffle over right now? Well, I identify as... That, that's, that's society. It is built in every single one of us by God Almighty. Which, by the way, I'll go ahead and settle that debate if there is one in here. There is male and female. There is man and woman. That's the way God created it, okay? Amen. So Amen. I'll just go ahead and settle. I don't care what you identify as. I know what you are, okay? And so, hey, that's just the way that it is. But it is built inside of us, every single one of us. That desire, that yearning to have that identity, to be known by, say, even introverts. But every single one of us, when this man died and went to hell, his identity was stripped from him. He was no longer, hey, why did it matter? It was over. It was too late. You notice in heaven, we get to identify with Jesus for all eternity Amen. as his child. Hey, I'm a child of God. Whenever I spend eternity in heaven, I'm spending eternity with my heavenly father. Hey, and I get to go in with all confidence because, hey, I was blood bought and adopted through the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, and I was brought into the family and I was ushered in and that's a great place. And I believe when you get to heaven, man, we're going to know Jesus and there's that identity that is there. But in hell, there's an absence of an identity. In hell... There's no absence of a memory. He says, son, remember that in thy lifetime thou receivest good things. Also, if you look down there later on in the passage of Scripture, he brought into recollection the fact that he had brothers. 
I believe that he was reminded there that he had his opportunity, he had his chance, he had... Hey, you know what's amazing to me is the grace of God that was on my life in the fact that this, I sat in church service after church service at a bare minimum of three times a week, but often more times a week than that. I'm telling you, uh, you know, they always tell that joke, you know, I had a drug problem, I was drugged to church on Sunday, I was drugged to church on Wednesday, I was drugged to church in vacation Bible school, I was drugged to church for this. That was me, and then the camp time hit, I was in church on Monday. Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, and then we went to, to the church and went so on on Saturday, and then we were in church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, you know, and then we were back in camp. On my, I mean, I lived in church. And I often think, how many hundreds of times did I hear the gospel preached? But it was not until I was 13 years old. You talk about the grace of God. That I heard the gospel preached hundreds of times and it took me, uh, man, I don't know, uh, seven, eight years at least of the age of accountability there where I understood and I knew and I knew what was going on. It took me that many years and that many sermons and that many preachings before I ever responded to the gospel. And yet there's people that are living in this town that have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel one time. Boy, you talk about the grace of God. And I truly believe there's going to be people that are going to be sitting in church pews just like this one who thought they were okay, but God knew their heart and they're going to end up standing before God and the Lord's going to say to him, depart from me, I never knew you. And I believe in recollection, all those things are going to be coming back into your mind and saying this, uh, man, I heard it when Brother Haggett preached it. I heard it when Brother Luke preached it. I heard it when this guy preached it. Man, my parents taught me at home. I've been in church all my life, but that's not what gets anybody saved. Going to church does not make you a Christian and make you saved any more than standing in a garage makes you a car. It doesn't help anybody by just simply coming to church and not responding, like I said yesterday. And boy, I believe there's a lot of people that have been given chance after chance after chance after chance. And one of these days, they might end up in a place called hell. I pray not. I pray no one ever leaves from this place right here and spends eternity in a place called hell. It's revival time, okay? I I just want to say, if there's doubts, there's questions, boy, the devil would love nothing more than to cause you to doubt. If he can take away the security, I tell people this often, many times why people doubt, and I tell young people this, many times when people struggle in doubting their salvation, Am I saved? Did I mean it this time? Did I, you know, oftentimes when I'm dealing with them, I'll tell them this. I'll say, if you're struggling right now and they can give me a testimony of where they prayed and asked the Lord to save them and this and that, I tell them, give you tough 24 hours. You just say, Lord, hey, uh, if you'll just help me in the next 24 hours, then I'll tell them, if there's not a peace or there's not a conviction, if there's not one way or another, and every single time it's always worked out one of the way or the other with that. Praise the Lord. And so, you know, they come back and they'll say, man, I've had one. I was preaching at a camp in California. Young lady came to me and I said, I said, you're putting too much stock in what you did. And not enough stock in what he did. Amen. Yeah. And so did I pray the prayer right? Did I really mean it enough? Well, the Bible says, if you come to me, if you call upon my name, hey, if you ask me and you, you repent of your sins, you turn to Jesus Christ, he is bound by his word to save you. Amen. And guess what? He's not bound like, doggone it, I said it, now I got to do it. 
But he's bound by the fact of, hey, there's rejoicing in heaven over one that comes to Jesus. And so if you're here today and you're struggling with your salvation, and there might be some doubt in there, I know I'm preaching to a crowd on Monday night. You're here because you want to be. Thank you. I'm glad you want to be here. And I want to help you. Hey, we've had at camp services, pastor's wives walk the aisle and get saved. Pastors walk the aisle and get saved. We've had youth pastors, and there's a man that visited my church last week, and he rolled in and uh, everything, and he was there, and I had forgot all about it, but it was about 15 years ago, and uh, he rolled in, and he said, hey, do you mind if we walk down to the tabernacle? I said, no, go ahead. I'd love for you to, and I was curious, and I thought, well, you know, whatever, but he walked down there to the tabernacle, and they came back up, man, they both had tears in their eyes, and they just walked down there to that spot, man, where, where she was sitting there as a 30, I think, two or 33-year-old lady, and a youth pastor's wife, and she was sitting there and a preacher preached a message much like this one on the same topic I'm preaching on tonight. And, and, and there she was, the youth pastor's wife. Man, the Holy Spirit conviction came all over and she's like, I just want to go back and see that place. Man, where the Lord saved me. Man, they came back up and man, just after a day, you can tell just overwhelmed and, and, and just excited and thankful and praising God. But I promise you this, if you go to a place called hell, you'll remember every time you heard the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. You'll remember every time you had an opportunity and didn't respond. Now, I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm just trying to say it exists. It's real. And real people go there. Yeah. Good. there there's a memory in, in hell. The Bible says there, and I want to run, I said I was going to run through these. There's no comfort in hell. There's an absence of comfort. Uh, there's an absence of getting out. The Bible says in 26, it is a, uh, there is a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. It's permanent. It's permanent. So here's the sermon, okay? The two most important things you can do with your life. I'm going to give them to you here in just a second. Two most important things. We'll give them to you, and then we'll give you a chance to respond. By the way, you'll stand before the Lord one day, and you'll give an account, and he may say to some, hey, depart from me, I never knew you. But there's also another judgment where God's people stand before him, and they give an account for their works. The things they have done and the things they have not. The sins of commission and the sins of omission. By the way, that judgment day is coming. That's right. Preachers don't preach on it anymore. They don't, and honestly, it's a reality that we will stand before the Lord and answer for what we've done. Yes, that's right. If we get back to that, it's not guilt tripping people. It's just the honest fact of the matter of the fact. So the two most important things you can do with your life. Here they are. Probably won't even have to write these down because you can remember them. Number one, don't go to hell. Isn't that simple? 
That is the most important thing that anyone in here can do is just simply make the decision that I'm not going to spend eternity in a place called hell. You see, it wasn't created for you. Man, it, God's design was not to send people there, but rather our sins. Our sins is what brought that gap between us and God. And Jesus Christ and his love and mercy, when he came and died on Calvary, he bridged that gap. He made up that gap that no one could cross and that holiness and, and, and that God couldn't look upon sin. And, and he, he brought salvation to all mankind, both Jews and Gentiles, that all men. He says, I'm come that you might have life. That's the reason came. He says, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. He says, I'm come. And, and the reason I've come is because I know that you got a situation that you can't dig yourself out of. Hey, there's a hole that's too big you can ever crawl out of. Hey, but I'm going to bridge the gap today and I'm going to help you. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and became sin for us that we might know the righteousness of God and we might be able to stand before him justified and clean and worthy to come into heaven because of what Jesus did for us. Now, why? Why would anybody waste that love? God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Well, those are some beautiful verses. Well, I love how the Lord works. But it has to be a conscious decision between you and the Lord. There's none of this that some make it in and some don't. Can I just say that? God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Did you know that the Bible also goes on further? And, and you know, people talk about, well, there's an elect and there's this and that. Okay, that's not Bible doctrine. Let me go ahead and give you Bible doctrine here. He says, he's appointed you to obtain salvation. In other words, this, you're elect, yeah. He's elected every one of us to obtain salvation. How do we obtain salvation? We obtain salvation by receiving the gift that was given to us on Calvary. Amen. That's how we obtain it. There's not some that just make it in, some that don't make it in. I'm just telling you, uh, today you have to call upon the name of the Lord and thou shalt be saved. You're going to be saved. Amen. So today, your number one priority in life, number one biggest priority over any decision you'll ever make is this, is make sure you're going to heaven. Amen. Don't go to hell. That was quick, okay? Here we go. Number two. Don't let anybody else go there. Don't let anybody else go there. <coughs> Wasn't that simple? Do you notice the urgency that came from this man when he realized it was real? Who were the first people he thought about? His brothers. He says, man, if you just send somebody from the dead, they'd surely believe. And they said to him, they said, uh, he's got Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. No, 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 no. If you send somebody from the dead, man, they'll believe surely. And he says, hey, 
Even if one went from, if they're not going to hear the prophets, if they're not going to hear the preachers, then they're not going to receive Christ. They're not going to get saved. And, and, and so all of a sudden his mind went to his family, first of all. Daddies and mamas, that'll be where our mind stays. I don't want any of my children to die and go to hell. I want them to all come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and receive him as their personal savior. Hey, listen, it would be a travesty for me to preach all over the country and be all over the place and be pastoring a church and running a camp and seeing all these people saved and my children die and spend eternity in hell. I had a man call me and uh, he's like, man, I need, he was remodeling his house, a man in my church. And it was our family night. And man, family night was coming around and, and the kids were excited and we were going to watch something. We were popping popcorn. We were doing all this kind of stuff. We already had a fort built in the middle of the living room. And man, he's like, man, I really need help. And I'm trying to get my family back into the house and all this kind of stuff. And I just called him back and I said, man, I just started family night. And, and I love you. But listen, getting your family back in the house is important, but it's not as important as keeping my children and loving my children and not missing family night. There's nobody in this world that's more important to me than my family. And boy, we ought to have a burden for those if we've got a brother or sister or somebody that's lost that does not know Jesus Christ. I was talking to a preacher last week, a good friend of mine, and he lives out in North Carolina. He attended a couple nights of that revival that they had out there, the Burlington Revival, and there's people that criticize it. There's people that say it was great. I don't care about all that. He carried about 45 people up there. And he said when they went up there, they pulled in and they got up and made an announcement. Said, we're going to pray in the parking lot. And boy, a bunch of people kind of said, real, real quick, just holler out any prayer requests you have. And he said, man, men, grown men, just weeping. I brought my mama. She hadn't been to church in 50 years. Doesn't know Jesus Christ. Pray for her. Man, another grown man raised his hand. Man, I, I brought my brother and he doesn't know the Lord. Pray that he gets saved and and they just started hollering them out. And I said, what was it? And he said, you know, that church prayed for 17 years that they would see a soul-saving revival. And they had meeting year after year after year after year. And they said when they finally had that meeting, when the Holy Spirit of God swept in, he said, honestly, it didn't matter who was preaching. It didn't matter what song was sung. I'm telling you, he said, you could just stand up and read John 3, 16 and give an invitation. And he said, hundreds of people were walking the aisle and receiving Christ as their personal Savior. He said, we took about 45 people up there. He said, 13 of our people walked the aisle and got saved. And he said, none of them. He said, if you'd asked me out of all the church members in my church, he said, I'd have said, they're saved. They're saved? No way. And they walked the aisle and got saved. What was that? Well, that was a church who for 17 years prayed and never gave up. And God answered that petition. Amen. What was it? They cared about the lost. You know, that was their number one prayer, so they'd see people saved. They had a burden for people who were dying and going to hell. They, number one, made sure they were going to heaven. But then number two, they didn't want anybody else to go there. Yay. Now you think about this. I find it amazing how the wording of the Word of God is. 
He says, if you'd just send one from the dead. And you know what he said back to him? He said, if they don't hear the preachers, they wouldn't believe though one rose from the grave. And you know what I immediately went to? There was only one that rose from the grave. And you know how many people have heard that old story and they've neglected such a great salvation. If you're not going to hear it here, you're not going to hear it anywhere else. There, there's not, and listen, if they don't hear it out of your mouth, they might not ever have another chance to hear about the one that rose from the grave. Yeah. If you don't care, and that's really what it boils down to. Did you know it's amazing? I find time to do what I really care about doing. I talk about, I, I like to talk about how busy I am, you know, because it makes me look better. It's a prideful thing probably if we're just going to be real down on it. But guess what? No matter how busy I am when duck season rolls around, guess what I found time to do? Opening day of rifle season, guess what I found time to do? Why? Because I care about it. You make time, and you make yourself do. Man, there's been times I've driven all night, got home at 3 o'clock in the morning, and then took and turned around and changed into hunting clothes and went to a deer stand. My brother, one time, we were hunting on a stand about 500 yards apart in the same field. And, man, I crawled up in my stand. I'd driven back from a meeting a lot like this one, and I drove all night long and got home at 3 o'clock in the morning. I didn't go to sleep because I was afraid I wouldn't wake up. I just put all my camouflage on, leaned back in the truck. My brother tapped on the glass. I started it up. We drove over to where we were hunting. We sat down, and, man, I sat in that stand. And, I mean, as soon as that warm sun got up there in my face, it started hitting my face a little bit, buddy. I was sawing logs just like that. And my brother's texting me, and he's like, Man, is that one not big enough to shoot, you know? And, and look at all these deer over And he said deer were just crisscrossing like a freeway in front of me, man. And I'm crashed out. What is that? Man, that was desire. I love that more than I love sleeping. Apparently not that morning, but I made a self-conscious decision that I was going to do whatever I could to be in the stand on that day because I thought it was going to be good or because I loved it or whatever it was, and I made time for it. And I'll do crazy things like that. But the people that I come in contact with day after day, and man, whenever I go to the restaurant and I can't even leave a track down or I can't even say something to a waitress or I can't even just be a little bit of a witness to somebody that I come in contact with, and the Lord says, you make time for what you care about. Yeah. There are people that are dying and spending eternity in hell. And if we really believe that it was real. I know we know that it's real because we've read his word. But if we believe that it was real, it would change the passion that we had for the lost. It would change the passion that we have for our family. Hey, we might miss a few meals like some of you may have already this month, but you might miss a few meals in, in, in praying for someone who you know is lost and somebody that needs to get right with God. It would put some passion back in it. I'm glad that when Jesus came to earth and they took him away, I'm glad he didn't say, you know what? I'm good and called 10,000 angels and checked out of here, but he stuck with it because he knew there was somebody 2,000 years ago or 2,000 years later, hey, who was going to need a savior and his name was Luke Bishop and had nobody else lived hey he would have done it just for me because he loved me Amen. and his passion so tonight it's just two simple things one don't leave here and spend eternity in hell
And two, don't let anybody else go there. Amen. Don't let anybody else go there. It's that passion. There's that old song. I don't think people really sing it a whole lot anymore. I love music, man, and I use hymns and different things in my walk with God daily. And, but, man, that song says, Lord, lay some soul upon my heart and love that soul through me. And may I nobly do my part to win that soul to thee. Man, I often pray that prayer in song. I'm walking with the Lord and saying, Lord, I want to do my part. God, I just want you to love them through me. I can't love them the way Jesus does, but Lord, if you could just use me as a conduit to love somebody, that they might come to know you. Man, it's not about them knowing me, but it's about them knowing your name and who you are. And Lord, if you could just use me, man, I want to love that soul. I want you to love that soul through me. And I want to do my part that I can win that soul to thee. And that needs to be our prayer tonight. He's still in the soul-saving business. He still saves souls. But the Bible also says, how shall they hear without a preacher? Somebody's got to tell them. Somebody's got to tell them. So tonight, don't go to hell and don't let someone else go there. Heavenly Father, we love you tonight. God, I, I pray this evening that you spoke to hearts. Lord, I pray if there's somebody here that's not saved or they're struggling with doubt, I pray that they get it settled. And Lord, then those of us, Lord, I pray that you'd put a urgency Lord, Lord, that desire, I pray that we'd have it tonight. So, Lord, I pray that you'd help us this evening and bless this invitation. In your name I pray. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Can I ask you this evening, preacher? If tonight you're struggling with your salvation, can I just say to you this evening, if what is crossing your mind is what will others think, I can tell you exactly what everybody in this room thinks. Praise God. Praise God. But if there's somebody tonight that says, Preacher, I'm not sure that I'm saved. If that's you tonight and you say, I'm just not sure. I'm not 100% sure. Would you pray for me? Is there anyone like that this evening? Just slip your hand up left, right, front, and back. I'm not sure that I'm saved. Would you pray for me? Don't leave this place spend eternity in a place called hell. Don't do it. Preacher, I'm not sure that I'm saved. Would you pray for me? Anyone like that? Can I ask you tonight? You care for the lost? Where's that urgency? Boy, it's easy to just get comfortable with where we're at. And the invitation tonight is this, is if you're not sure you're saved, would you come down here and take me by the hand, take Pastor Haggett by the hand, Mrs. Haggett. We want you to know 
And the second thing is this, Christian. Why don't you come down here and pray that prayer? Lord, lay some soul upon my heart. Love that soul through me. And may I nobly do my part to win that soul for thee. Lord, give me an urgency. Lord, I pray you'd help me to see people for lost people. We're going to a real hell. Oh, that God would help us to have that urgency. That God would help us. Jesus, bless this invitation. I do love you tonight. Lord, thank you for saving me. Thank you for Calvary and what it means to me. In your name I pray. Amen. Let's stand with tonight with heads bowed.